0: Welcome to It's All About the Questions. We're learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist Laura Stewart.
1: Good morning, afternoon, and evening everyone. And we are here in Florida after Hurricane Matthew and I just want to give a shout out to everybody that's been affected by this storm, not only here in Florida in Vero Beach area, but St. Augustine, all the way up the coast, South Carolina, North Carolina, anybody that's been affected, um, just know that you have my prayers and let us know if there's anything that you need and anything we can do. Um, I've been grateful to all of my friends and neighbors that helped us and and my friend, especially Patricia Knoll, for letting us to evacuate to her across the state of Florida to St. Petersburg uh, during the storm with my mom. Very grateful for that. Um, Today we have a return guest and as you know I don't often have return guests because there's so many people I want to have on the show but this guest Jason Webb is such a brilliant man like like all of my guests are but we just didn't have enough time to answer people's questions about intellectual property. And Jason is one of the top intellectual property attorneys in the country. He is absolutely brilliant at what he does, and so many of you sent in so many questions that you had for him. We decided to do a question show. So Jason Webb is back on the show today, talking about intellectual property, which includes trademarks, patents, uh, copyright, all of those niggling questions that you have that you want answers to, and. You've been sending me in via Facebook and Twitter, all those questions and direct email, so we're going to get right to it. Jason, welcome back to the show.
0: Hey, thanks for having me back. This is fun.
1: This is so great, and um, I know I want to make a disclaimer. I'm sure you want me to make this disclaimer, (laughs) and if I don't say it exactly right, just feel free to jump in. Everybody who's listening, we are not providing legal advice on the show. We are giving general advice. Okay, so Jason is giving you some general advice based on your questions. If there's something, you know, really specific, then um, give Jason a call and he can directly answer that better. Did I say that good, Jason?
0: Yeah, yeah, just some of the things we may be talking about are some of the questions may be specific circumstances for a specific person, and the answers that I'm going to give so that I'm not publicly giving private lawyer advice, um, the answers I'm giving will be more about the, You know, this question is interesting because it brings up this topic.
1: Okay, great. And for those who are listening and do not know Jason, um, he's my go-to guy. If I have any questions about this, I, Most of my listeners, most of you know that I don't make certain moves without having a much smarter legal brain (laughs) in my business answering questions. That's why I have accountants. That's why I have financial people. That's why I have people like Jason on my speed dial in case I need them. So um, just know that there are resources out there that can help you get your questions answered. So, so, Jason, I want to dive in with this part first because I know you've ha- I've had you on the show before and people can go back and listen to it. But let's start with defining intellectual property. What is it and why is it important to pay attention to it?
0: Yeah, so intellectual property, you could say that it's property that you can't touch. It's not physical. And there's lots of different kinds. They tend to fit into... Three main, four main categories. There's things that you protect with patents, things that you protect with trademarks, things you protect with copyrights, and things you protect with trade secrets. So that's kind of the world of intellectual property for the most part.
1: Okay, now there's different, the way you're breaking that down, so that's things like copyrights, trademarks, patents, correct? And those yeah. are very uniquely different in when you would need a copyright versus a trademark versus a patent.
0: Right. Yeah. So copyright you tend to need when you're protecting something creative, like a book that you've written or music or a video that you shoot or artwork. Trademark is for protecting branding, like company names, product names, taglines, logos, and patents are for protecting inventions. Mm-hmm. So if you've got a new gadget or a new process or a manufacturing method, these are the sorts of things we protect with patents.
1: Okay, so then going to your definition of intellectual property, it's things you can't touch. In the case of patent, you can touch it because it's going to be something physically created?
0: Well, I can sell a gadget, but the right that's protected by patents is the right to make more of them. Ah. And you can't touch that. Okay.
1: Okay. So that's what leads to a lot of the drug company kind of things with the generics versus the non-generic drugs. They have the patent on the drug? Yeah. Okay. And
0: therefore, the right to make more of those drugs is restricted by the patent.
1: And a patent has a life to it, a certain amount of time, or is a patent forever?
0: Yeah, correct. And in fact, some of these generic drug management manufacturing companies will have airplanes loaded with the generics flying above an airport until midnight on the day the patent expires and then they land.
1: Really? Yeah. They, they literally know the moment the patent runs out and then they are ready to having reverse engineered. Is that how they do it? They reverse engineer the patent?
0: Well, when you get a patent, you have to describe the invention well enough that someone else could take that description who understands that sort of technology and they could go make and use it. So that's part of the trade-off that we do with inventors. To get the patent, you have to show us all how it's done.
1: All right. So let me throw another example out there. The Kentucky Fried Chicken, the Colonel's Secret Recipe, Mm -hmm. is that... A patent thing is it a copyright thing I mean what, what it, that's a trade secret so how is a trade secret different how does somebody know if what they have is a trade secret or something else
0: so if you have some information that's valuable to your business and it's valuable because it's secret and you are able to keep it secret then that's a trade secret as long as you do keep it secret, as long as you take reasonable steps to keep it keep it secret.
1: So Coca-Cola, that's a trade secret. Their formula supposedly it's in a vault somewhere at Coke headquarters in Atlanta.
0: Right. But, but closer to home, if you have a client list or a vendor list and that list is valuable to you, uh, more valuable to you if your competitors don't have the list, that's a trade secret. All
1: right. So how does somebody protect their client list when their employees all have access to it? Are there certain things that they should be doing when they hire somebody to, to the best of their ability, try to protect that from getting out? Yeah,
0: and that, that's one of the reasons why employee agreements almost always have a confidentiality clause. And um, then you should also have processes in place or systems in place so that the more important secrets, not all your employees have access to it. You have it marked private or secret or confidential. And maybe even some things are encrypted. Um, That's also why a lot of like uh, CRM systems, you can change controls as to who has access to what information. These are all things you should be doing to protect your trade secrets.
1: Okay, and for those that aren't familiar with what CRM stands for, it's Customer Relationship Manager and it's software like Salesforce, like Outlook, um, ConnectWise, any uh, Mm -hmm. even Constant Contact, things like that, where you're keeping your... Customer information, their, their name, their address, their phone numbers, maybe um, their financial information, any of that, that might be stored inside your CRM. Okay, so if somebody's a small business, can they? do they have to do all the levels of protection? Or what are some things that they want to make sure they do? Just have the employee agreement with some with a confidentiality clause in it as a starting point?
0: I would start with that, typically.
1: Okay. All right, so if anybody is out there and they're starting a business or they have a business and they do not have a confidentiality clause, is that something that they can put in after the fact, Jason?
0: Uh, It depends on what your state law says. Some state laws say that you can't make your employees sign a brand new agreement unless you're giving them something more. And so you'll need to talk to a lawyer that understands the laws of the state where you're Uh, you're in, and that way you can know how you can do it.
1: Okay. All right. I get that. I I know that for myself I had an employee handbook, which detailed everything from how we were expected to act to dress, um, had all the confidentiality stuff in it, non-competes, different things like that inside an employee handbook. And you have a lot of resources on your website, too, for people to um, take a look at.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If you go to jpweb.us, then there's a banner at the bottom. uh, Legal Lifesavers is what it's entitled. And if you sign up for that, then you'll get an email once a month. And each of those emails is a free resource for entrepreneurs and business owners um, related to intellectual property.
1: All right. Perfect. Perfect. All right. And we're going to give that information later on as well. OK, so let's go into um, a question that came in from Patricia Knoll, my friend who let me uh, shelter at her home with her mom, with my mom, <laughs> Hurricane <laughs> Matthew. Really grateful for her. OK, so Patricia Knoll wrote a fantastic book called Good With Me and on the cover of her book, she has a stick figure on it. And she uses that stick figure in all of her branding, everything that she does. I mean, her T-shirts, all of her marketing, everything has this stick figure in a specific color on the book. It's kind of her brand. Should she trademark it? And if so, what is involved with getting something trademarked?
0: Right. So when you're deciding whether you should trademark something or not, um, the fact that it's showing up on all of your branding means that it's part of your branding message. And so that's a good candidate. Another piece is maybe think about it and say, if someone were to copy this and use this on their branding and people were to think that what they did was what I did because they're using that same branding, how upset would I be? And how much would that cause problems for my business? And the closer your answer is to I would be really upset and it would be really cause problems, then yes, we should get a trademark registration. Okay. And the that's- closer it is to I don't care, then maybe not. All
1: right, perfect. We're going to go into our first commercial break, and we'll talk more about trademarks when we come back with Jason Webb.
0: Success comes from not only what you know, but also who you know. Welcome back to It's All About the Questions with award-winning
1: author Laura Stewart. Jason, you were answering Patricia Knowles' question about whether she should trademark or could trademark the stick figure she uses on her book for her branding. And one of the things you said was how, say, damaging or irritating would it be if somebody else were to use that? Right. Can you elaborate a little further on that?
0: Yeah. So trademark law is all about stopping consumer confusion. And so we don't want other people to use our branding in a way that either piggybacks off of our success or we get blamed for when they screw up. And in fact, a lot of times I find out about trademark infringement because my client is just doing their business as normal and then they get this weird return where someone wants their money back for product that my client clearly didn't make. But they had been tricked into buying it, thinking that they were buying from my client, so then when it didn't work out, well, they want their money back from my client um, and so that you know that can be a big problem um, for your reputation in the community and in in the market so that's what trademark's all about
1: okay. Can you trademark just like say her stick figure, or is it? Something that, you say, you need to trademark, like, the color or words with it?
0: Well, so you can trademark any sensory experience that is part of your brand. So you can trademark smells. You can trademark sounds. Like, there's there, there are jingles that have been trade, registered as trademarks, uh, colors. Um, so you can trademark any sensory experience that is your brand. So a stick figure, you bet. Um, Now, one of the issues with the stick figure is if the stick figure shows up and it's in a different pose everywhere, then that's not going to be – it's going to be hard to get a registration on that. We want our branding to be very consistent, and the trademark office is very picky about even small changes in the branding.
1: Is getting a trademark an expensive proposition?
0: Um, so it's more expensive than copyright, and it's less expensive than patent. Okay. Plan on spending twenty five hundred to forty five hundred typically to do the searching and filing the application, pay the government fees, um, go through the process, and get the registration. So uh, it depends. Okay. So for some people, that's going to be really expensive, and for some people, that's not. So.
1: And if it is your brand and you're planning on growing your brand, then in the long run, that amount of money probably is not a lot.
0: Yeah, it's a really great investment. Uh, it's very powerful protection. Um, if you skip it and just go with the common law trademark rights that you get automatically, those rights are much, much smaller. They only exist where you have existing customers and, um, And typically, they're not going to protect you in the way that you wish they would.
1: How long does it take to typically get a trademark approved?
0: Uh, Typically about four months to a year.
1: Oh, wow. Long time. Okay. Yeah. So if you're planning on doing it, get started.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but the rights that you get when it is registered go back to the day that you filed it.
1: All right. So it's retroactive. Yeah. Okay. All right. So along a similar theme with that one, um, Rhett asked a question and he said he owns a domain feed1.org that he hasn't done anything with yet. But he has a jingle and a number of other things related to it. But there is a company out there that's doing, you know, significant revenues that wants him to give that domain to him. So that leads me to the question, it's like the Steve Jobs with Apple when he created Apple and he had the whole to do with Beatles because they had their music company called Apple and they had the agreement that Jobs would not do anything music related, which of course we know that that's not what ended up happening. So say somebody owns a domain or has a company name, but there's another company already established that has it, but they didn't know that other company was out there. And they're doing more local things, but they may want to go with a national presence. Are you allowed to do that? And what are the repercussions if you do?
0: Yeah, so uh, you, a domain um, and how a domain relates to a brand brings up all the usual trademark issues. So is there confusion in the marketplace? Um, and if there is, that whoever has the senior rights, whoever you know, has the trademark registration, or whoever, has the strongest common law rights, they're going to dominate that discussion. On the, the domain side, then you also have to deal with cyber squatting. And there's rules against cyber squatting. And, and cyber squatting is basically someone else has rights to a brand and I go out and I get a domain that's essentially that same brand and I'm holding it hostage and making them buy it from me. Right. So if you're doing that, and they can prove that you're doing that, then they can just yank the domain away from you. If it's innocent and you're doing other things with it, then, um, then you can keep it. They can't force you to give it to them unless you start stepping on toes on their trademark rights, and then they might be able to leverage that into getting it from you. And so you have to be careful two things. Don't look like you're trying to extort money out of them And definitely don't do anything that would confuse customers into thinking that your website is really just another branch of their website.
1: There were a lot of stories a number of years ago when I owned my tech company where you saw these big lawsuits going from celebrities who had only taken the .com domain. They had not grabbed the .net or another domain, and people brought up Mm -hmm. porn sites or, mm-hmm. or you know, hackers were lurking on those other sites and people would go to them and all sorts of things would happen. And they were trying to say that that was to do with that other person. So that's the kind of stuff you're talking about. Don't do those things. Right. <laughs> okay. All right. Cool. Um, so we talked about trademarks and we talked about domains and the things that people need to be thinking about around that. What are some other questions that people should be thinking about around trademarks and and domains before we go into the news break?
0: Right. Well, now that we have all these different extensions, we have .law and we, I mean, there's basically an unlimited number of them now. Um, you can't really go up and, I mean, you could, it would be really expensive and take a lot of work can't really go and buy up all of them now and so you really just want to focus on the ones that that where people could get confused and think that that website is yours and instead of someone else's so it's still a good idea to pick up a lot of domains just you know now you have to be more selective and then on the trademark side you know one of the things that a lot of people just don't realize they should be doing when they start a business is if their business has national scope or the potential to have national scope, they need to do trademark searching before they, they, you know, pick out their name and spend a bunch of money marketing this, this name. And you do the search in two stages. You do your own searching first where you look on Google and try to see, Hey, does someone else have this name where, you know, that would be a problem would be confusingly similar. And then if that looks good, then that's when you hire an attorney to do a search, um, a formal search, to give you a better sense of, you know, what's out there and do I have a chance of getting my own registration.
1: Does it matter if, say, you're just doing something, if you never plan on going national, you're just doing something in your county or your state? Can you just check your state stuff or you definitely need to look at the national presence as well?
0: Um, you should still look at the national presence. You're less likely to take the step after that, which is to get a registration. If, you're just, if your business is just local, you don't really need a registration. But if you are stepping on the toes of someone who has a registration, they could still come and make you change your name. And, you know, buying a new sign for a building is really expensive.
1: I do remember that living in Connecticut, the WWF, the World Wrestling Federation, got into a big to-do with the World Wildlife Fund, and they lost, and they had to change their name to the WWE instead of the WWF. So, yeah, sometimes that does happen. (laughs) (laughs) they had been doing it for a long time. All right, we are here with Jason Webb talking intellectual property of all... And we will be back after the national news break to answer more of your questions that you all have sent in. If you have any others, tweet out to at the Laura Stewart and let me know what your questions are. Welcome back, everyone. We are here with Jason Webb, intellectual property attorney extraordinaire, answering your questions about intellectual property of all kinds. If you're on the podcast, you know, you, you didn't miss anything because you're just listening right through. If you are listening live on the radio, on iHeartRadio or Waxy AM, FM, uh, you'll want to go up to itsallaboutthequestions.com and catch the replay so you can catch the first half. So, Jason, we talked about trademark a lot and and defined copyright and intellectual property and and patents. Let's launch into another area that I know a lot of my listeners are interested in because I've gotten a lot of questions from Patrick, from Brett, and from several other people around this. Um, I have a lot of musician listeners, and they do cover songs. Are they legally allowed to do cover songs at Um, Venues where they're performing or to post those cover songs on YouTube, Instagram, Snapchat, any of those places that they're doing it?
0: Yeah, so um, there are rules about cover songs and I, I haven't messed with them very much. My understanding is that musicians are allowed to do cover songs, but if they record the cover songs, then they owe an automatic royalty to whoever owns the rights to the song. So my understanding is playing it at a venue, you're probably okay, but I'm not 100% sure on that. But if you actually record it, then then you do owe somebody some money. And obviously you have to record it before you could post it on YouTube.
1: Okay, so that, so that kind of covers that. Now, on YouTube, YouTube has some arrangements, correct, with different licensing companies so that if people put something up they're sort of covered or is that not accurate
0: yeah no that is accurate they, youtube has done some deals with some of the bigger companies that own music right and so now instead of taking down a bunch of videos that have these songs on them what they do is they leave it up and then the person who posted it loses control of the revenue stream from that, and that gets redirected to the owners. And so because there's this deal, then as long as you're posting something that's within the deal, then you're fine. But if you're posting something that belongs to someone who didn't be part of this deal, then it's still copyright infringement.
1: So what about on, say, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, Facebook? Are there similar deals to that? Or do people say they're doing a Facebook Live and they're letting people learn how to play a song or something like that. Are they covered or do they have to buy licenses from the musician, the artist, original artist?
0: Yeah, you're not covered. Uh, As far as I know, there aren't other deals that have been done. Um, There could be, and I just don't know about it. But I haven't seen any anything pop up in the news feeds.
1: So you want to be really careful about it. Don't just assume that you can play somebody's song and not have somebody go after you for revenue. Right. Okay. So is streaming video the same then as hosting the video on your site?
0: There are some differences about it. Uh, in some cases, it's treated exactly the same. In other cases, not. You really, in order to stream, you have to make a copy and then send that copy. You're just sending it in little bits. Um, but a lot of, but you're also going to be limited to the, the number of viewers. So your exposure is much more limited than if you just have a copy of it and put it on your website and anybody can download it whenever they want. So that's continual liability and risk if there's a problem with it, whereas a live stream, you know, you, you whoever saw it saw it and whoever didn't didn't, and it's, they're not going to be able to see it again.
1: Does that apply if somebody's using public domain music as well or just copyrighted music?
0: If you're using public domain music, you you have the right to use it, and you can do whatever you want with it. Okay, okay and so we're talking about things, you know, music that was published, you know, before 1923.
1: Okay, so any music published before 1923 is considered public domain, or just some of it?
0: Yeah, my understanding is that everything published before 1923, the copyright has expired, and it's. It's going to stay that way for, uh, I think, another seven years until the copyright catches up and it starts to you know, travel one year at a time again. All
1: right. How does somebody, if, say, it's not pre-1923, I mean, there's different websites, like where I got my intro music and stuff like that. It was a website that said, I can use it for commercial use. I don't have to pay anything for it. The, how do you know if a site is truly public domain music, or images, for that matter?
0: I would spend some time getting a sense for what the market is for whatever it is you want to buy. And if the website seems to be way underpricing it, there's a really good chance that they don't own the rights at all. And they stole it from someone, put up a website, and when you buy it from them, you're not actually buying rights, you're getting scammed. So be careful with that.
1: All right. So you want to check the fine print on those websites?
0: Uh, those websites are actually just outright lying to you. I've seen a few of them where you try to you know you, you buy the rights to images from them for way cheaper than what you can get it at Getty or Shutterstock or these others, and then you get a letter from Shutterstock later saying that you're violating their rights because those guys stole it from Shutterstock and sold it for a tenth of what stock was selling it for. So just be careful. All
1: right. So use common sense. Yeah. If it sounds if it, too good to be true. it sounds too good
0: to be true. Exactly.
1: <laughs> That's one thing my dad always taught me. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is too good to be true. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, that leads me to another question that came in from several different people. Which was, there are a lot of authors and a lot of people do a lot of stuff on Facebook where they create those, um, those quote images, the, the memes, and mm-hmm. they put a picture of somebody or they just do a quote from some famous person and they put the person's name underneath it. Is that legal? Do, or do they, are they allowed to do that? Can they put that in their book? Can they put that on social media?
0: So quotes are pretty safe to copy. The only quotes that I would say maybe they're not safe are quotes of poetry or music lyrics. Um, I've seen cases come out where only little snippets were copied and they got nailed for copyright violation for songs and poetry. For books or for a speech that someone gives, you should be fine quoting them. Uh, However, the image that you put it with is a completely separate analysis. Who owns the right to that image? And if someone owns the right to that image and they're willing to enforce it, you can get in trouble for using that image.
1: So that goes back to the conversation we just had. Where are you getting your image from? Don't just assume that if you Google and say images of, let's just say, Will Smith, um, the actor... That you can just grab that image and then put a quote next to it with his picture, right? Okay,
0: and and that adds an an extra piece too. Actors have a right to their um, their appearance, basically, right? And so, if you are using a picture of Will Smith and putting a quote next to it, maybe you know, making it look like he's endorsing your company. Now you've violated his rights to publicity and uh that that's another intellectual property right. It doesn't come up for most small businesses but but if you do things like that it would.
1: I had my image stolen for somebody, for another tech company's um, website back when I owned Guardian Angel Computer Services. And uh, Mm -hmm. another tech company friend of mine said, hey, Laura, I was, you know, I was Googling companies and your picture showed up next to this other company. Do you have anything to do with them? Because I had a good reputation. And I'm like, I don't even know who these people are. And it took me months to get to them to get my image removed from the website. Right. And God, if if the person hadn't found my image, who knows what could have happened from there. They just grabbed um, an image off a site somewhere. Right,
0: And, and you're not supposed to do that, and you can get in a lot of trouble for that. Also, if you're taking photos of people for commercial purposes, you always want to have them sign a model release so that you have the rights to use the picture, even though you're the one that took the picture.
1: Okay, so with model releases and things like that, um, you have some resources on on your website is Is that one of the kinds of things, or is that something that you can help somebody get for themselves? Those kind of releases?
0: Um I don't have a model release on my website, but I know they're pretty easy to find online, and they're fairly simple, basically saying, you know i I give you permission to take this picture. I give you permission to use the picture commercially in any way that you want. Um, So, yeah, so pretty simple.
1: Okay. All right. And your website again, Jason?
0: Yeah. So my website is jpweb.us. It's JP like Jason Patrick, and then web has two Bs, and then .us, don't do .com.
1: Okay. JPweb.us, and you can get all sorts of great resources from, from Jason. Um, all right, Jason, so we're getting ready to go into our, our last commercial break. I still have so many more questions. Um, we will be right back with the incomparable Jason Webb talking about intellectual properties. your last chance to tweet in or text me or Facebook me your questions. Tweet at the Laura Stewart if you have a question you'd like to ask Jason Webb. We'll be right back. Jason, how much do you have to change something to be okay, and nobody can say you actually copied it. I mean, there's all these music lawsuits around these kind of things. Plagiarism is bad, always bad, 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 bad. But how much do you have to change something in order for it to be new material?
0: That's a that's a great question, and my answer is going to come in kind of from this side because the question is actually the problem. Um, people think of copyright, and they think they analyze it like they would analyze a trademark. When I analyze a trademark, I look at one trademark, I look at the other and I do an analysis of how they compare to each other in that market. When you're looking at copyright, copyright violation is not looking at the end result. It's looking at how you got there. So if you got there and there was a step of copying, That step of copying is infringement, even if you change it 95% afterwards. Now, changing it 95% afterwards might keep you from getting caught, and nobody will notice that it was a copy because you've changed so much. But strictly speaking, the original step of copying was the violation. And so the best thing to do is to not copy at all, not have any steps where there's copying. And so, for example, if you are really inspired by a particular piece of art and you would like for your business a piece of art that has those qualities, when you hire the graphic artist to produce something, don't show them the thing that inspires you. Instead, describe to them what you like about it and how you'd like those elements to be incorporated into this new artwork. And that way, no one ever copied anything.
1: Alright, that makes that makes a lot a lot of sense. But that you know, there's the phrase that's out there is there is no original idea. There is nothing new. So what happens if what that guy comes up with is similar to that other piece?
0: Yeah. So if you can prove that no copying ever happened, then you're fine even if it is similar. Um, there's there are court cases out there that say even if even if two people come up with the same song, as long as they independently developed it, then no copying ever happened, so there's no infringement. The difficulty, though, is that it's really hard to have conclusive proof one way or the other. Um, well, actually, it's really hard to have conclusive proof that you never copied anything, whereas um, people are allowed to infer things when they see that there is similarity. And so if there's a lot of similarity, then you're going to have to prove that, hey, I really did independently develop this. Otherwise, they'll just conclude that you copied.
1: Well, a famous movie, Working Girl. That was towards the end of the movie when Melanie Griffin and, um, oh, God, I can't remember her name now. And I love her, the actress. There, she, Melanie Griffith had the idea, but the other woman stole it. Sigourney mm-hmm. Weaver. And mm-hmm. the guy who owned the company finally said to her, tell me how you got to the idea. Sigourney Weaver couldn't come up with anything. And Melanie Griffith had, like, the, the newspaper and this article, and she was able to take them through the process. So be able to tell that stuff is what you're saying, it sounds like.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and also, you know, if, if, you, if you can't document your creative process, then... Um, you know, the, the the lawsuit could come out either way. I mean, when people go into copyright suits, if you look at the history of lawsuits and copyright violations, it's kind of all over the place and you're taking a big risk on both sides. Um, I've seen copyright suits where I was after looking at the evidence myself, I felt like, no, there's no copyright violation here. That's ridiculous. And then it gets decided the other way. So, so just be careful. And and the more you can document things, the better.
1: the The big one that comes to mind when you talked about that was um, Pharrell and Thick with their song.
0: Yeah, that one surprised me.
1: It, I think it surprised them too.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then and then the and I'm a big Led Zeppelin fan. Um, the Led Zeppelin one surprised me. The other
1: Stairway one. to Heaven was that yeah. the one? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So. And and obviously, I'm not privy to all the facts, and I wasn't there for, you know, how it was presented, and, you know, I wasn't a lawyer in any of those cases, but both of those surprised me in how they turned out.
1: Well, is there a statute of limitations on that, too? I mean, that Led Zeppelin song was from, what, 40 years ago? 30 years ago, something like that?
0: There is, but statute of limitations can get really complicated sometimes.
1: All right. So if you're ever in doubt, they should call somebody like you and get some advice before stepping out there. It's better to have the questions asked, understand the steps you need to take before you maybe go down a path that can lead you into some danger areas.
0: Yeah. And also realize that some questions your attorney will be able to answer with clarity and, and firmness. Some of them are just real gray areas.
1: All right. That makes sense. I uh, got another question that came in via text. What about photos that people post on social media, especially Facebook, need a release? So, like, people just randomly take photos and they post them up of people. And, you what know, I, is, that, is that allowed?
0: Well, if you're not doing it commercially, then it's hard for them to argue that you violated their right to publicity because you didn't do anything commercial with it. So if you're talking about just friends, taking pictures of friends and putting up a law on Facebook and nobody's making money off of it, then culturally we're okay with that and legally we're okay with that.
1: Well, what if you post a picture of somebody doing something that because it's now posted, it can harm them in some way?
0: Right. And, and then you get into other kinds of law. You know, was it a tort that you did it? Were you doing it to hurt them? Um... You know, if they have an expectation of privacy and you violated that? So, so, again, that can get complicated, too, but that goes more into tort law. You know, are you doing something wrong to them?
1: So uh, here's, what I, here's what I'm hearing in the back of my head. Don't post something if you wouldn't want it done to you.
0: That's good advice. <laughs> I don't know that the legal line is always there. But, um, I think that's a good
1: advice <laughs> you know if if you're even debating it in your mind, if you've got the the angel and the devil on the shoulder, go with the angel not not the devil, so just avoid the issue because if you don't want it done to you, don't do it to somebody else. all right, Jason, last thoughts to share with my listeners around intellectual property, trademarks, patents, any of those things that they should be thinking about
0: um just if you If you have a business, um, just understand that most of the value in your business is not in your physical assets. It's in the relationships you have with your customers, your employees, your vendors, um, and that's all about your branding, uh, your creative works, your inventions, and so probably 80% of the value of your company is intellectual property, so be sure you're paying attention to it. And doing the right things at the right times.
1: And you can't protect everything all the time, but you can do the best that you can, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Do what makes sense. All
1: right, and Jason, again, share how people can get in touch with you, and the kind of things they should get in touch with you for.
0: Yeah. So all of my contact points are on my website. Um, We have, you know, we have a Facebook link there, a LinkedIn link there, a Twitter LinkedIn. And so go to the website, you can contact me through that. If you have questions about intellectual property um, and you say that you heard about me on Laura's show, I'd be glad to answer your questions, do a free consultation. And if you click on the legal lifesavers banner at the bottom, then you can sign up to get those free resources and uh, people really like those.
1: Thank you for offering to my listeners that free consult that, I mean, you don't get dollars an hour for your time you get a significant amount of money for your time and i'm i'm very grateful that you're doing that for my listeners you're welcome your your time is very valuable and i'm we've answered so many questions on this show so everybody go to jp webb that's j as in uh what's your first name jason jason <laughs> You know, I know you I, so well. And all of a sudden I blanked. I was going to say John Patrick and I'm like, it's not John Patrick. Why am I thinking John Patrick? <laughs> um, so JP Webb, Jason Patrick Webb, W-E-B-B dot U-S, not dot com dot U-S, JP Webb dot U-S. My friend Jason, my dear friend, even though I blanked on his name there for a second, Um has great resources i highly encourage you to do it catch the first episode of the show you can go up onto the website it's all about the and hear more from jason we talked a lot more in depth about patents and things like that in the first time he was on the show but we wanted to have him back because you had so many questions we felt this was a great way to get them answered for you so thank you for being on the show today jason
0: you're welcome. Thanks for having me. It was
1: great. All right, cool. Everybody, if you have any questions, go to jpweb.us. Don't forget, mention my name and that you heard him here, and he will give you a free consult and answer your questions directly. Um, tweet out at Laura Stewart and let me know what you're thinking about intellectual property. Remember, the right questions truly can change your life. So what are you asking today? Have a great day, everyone.
0: listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com
1: and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today.